And this is my frustration. 12 and a half, 13% is, we're not big enough for you yet. Like, what do you want? Do you want instant diabetes and, and, and like, an instant hangover? Like, what are you doing this for? I, I like, wouldn't say no. Right. Like, and, Back to the Tap Takeover Podcast Brewery Interview Series. I'm here with the boys to sit down for a very special interview. Guys, I, I know this is something that we've been talking about for a long time amongst ourselves. It's something that we got into podcasting for, talking to some of our favorite brewers at some of our favorite breweries. We're sitting down with Central Waters this week, folks, and we are very excited. It's all about the big bourbon barrel aged stouts. It's what we love most here on the podcast, and this is kind of the ultimate barrel aging program here in the state of Wisconsin. I, some would say the Midwest. They started winning big awards with their 16th anniversary bourbon barrel aged stout. And the anniversary beers have been fantastic. The black gold, I think we've all tried in, in one way or another over the years. Amazing beer aged for three years in bourbon barrels. And then, of course, you've got the maple bourbon stout, which was a surprise this year. Possibly one of my favorite beers all year. You guys have tried some of their beers. What what are some of your favorites? All right. Well, I like the Brewers Reserve series. Really big fan of the barley wine, Cassie and Sunset. Those are kind of- I mean, they have their they have their regular line, but let's let's face it, guys. The the barrel aged stuff is where it's at. They have the second biggest barrel aged warehouse in the United States of America, right there in Amherst, Wisconsin, right behind Goose Island. Yeah, I, I would say it's important to note that an independent brewery has the second biggest barrel aging program behind a, a program owned by Anheuser Busch. That speaks volumes to uh, to the success that they've had with their stouts, the success that they've had with their barrel aging program, and just the amount of dedication that they've put into that. But I, I would actually argue that some of their other beers, some of their uh, their regular stuff, their their IPAs, the horseshoes and hand grenades, and you know some of those other beers are also really fantastic. The Mud Puppy Porter is a fantastic porter. I mean, it's in their normal lineup, and it's a really solid go-to beer. We'll definitely be getting into that in the interview here, but uh, before we do that, let's, uh, let's get into some of the big beers that we're going to be doing on this small live tasting. Uh, we've got a very special vertical for you guys. We're going be going 16 through 19 the anniversary beers so get ready for uh, some fun tasting and andy why don't you tell us about our first two up so the first two we're trying tonight is the 16 and the 17 16 has been laying down for four years and it's absolutely fantastic just absolutely delicious perfect so chocolatey i thought that would fade uh the chocolate is massive on this and it's multiple layers of chocolate it's the milk chocolate it's the fudge and and for me what's really interesting in this uh, because it was aged 21 months just in the barrels alone. I'm not getting a lot of the bourbon. To me, it's actually broken down to its constituent parts. The vanilla, the oak, the wood. I'm getting almost like a dark leather off of this. It's going down to its individual bits. Yeah, extremely smooth, not aggressive. We have the 16 and 17 here. We've been going back and forth. It really is amazing how it changed from that one year. They said that the 16 is aged for 21 months and the 17 is a blend of two different of their barrel-aged 
stouts. So it's two completely separate beers that were both anniversary beers back to back. Yeah, and uh, you know, a little known fact for the beer nerds out there. So the 16 has one beer as its as its base, whereas everything after that has had a blend of different stouts. But the 19 has the biggest blend of the base beer that was in the 16. So it's gotten a lot of comparisons to the 16. We'll have to try that one, you know, in a little bit. It's everything good that you like about this style of beer. So like we, since we like to lay down our beers for a while, where, where do you guys think this would go if this was laid down for another year or two? I wouldn't. <laughs> I, I, I wouldn't either. I couldn't point. resist. Yeah. I mean, that would just be the point. Well, no, if I had more of this, I would drink like. more of it. Yeah, yes. No, this is perfect. I don't know if what their intentions were or what the intentions or what other people have done, but this is perfect right now. I, I would disagree with you guys. I think this beer could get laid down for another few years, and it's big enough and bold enough that it would still have most of these flavors and probably be a little further into the, the blackberry kind of flavor. See, when I think of like laying it down more, you take away that aggressiveness. I just don't think this has that. I think oh, it's, it's already super mellow. It's so mellow, so smooth. I don't know why you would lay down more. It's especially mellow compared to the 17. What uh, What do you guys think well, of this that's, one? Well, that's, I mean, the word that I used was aggressive because it still has that, that little bit of punch to it, you know? It's got a, a little, little burn, a little, yeah. a little burn that you don't, I didn't think I was going to get from a three-year-old beer that was already aged, would you say 18 months? Yeah, previously? I, I so, so, yeah. So this and has been aged for a while and it still ha- it still comes out a little hot. I mean, it's not, I mean, obviously it's aged. Yeah, I'm mean, just getting more brightness from it. I mean, that's what my first thing is. It, it pops. The 16, super mellow. Looks like those chocolate and vanilla notes are starting to come out. You still have that, that nice bourbon flavor there, but it's it's not as bitey, but you still you, you still taste it. Yeah, I, I can definitely taste the barrel in this one. The mm-hmm. barrel's definitely speaking to me in the 17, whereas the barrel's dissipated into the beer in the 16. I, I still stand by, you can age that 16 longer, but you might not need to. And the 17 could definitely go another year or two. I do like how it's opening up a little bit more it's good but it's still i still i would lay down i would lay down the 17 16 perfect and now i think it's a great time to get into the interview what do you guys think let's, let's roll Nestled in the rolling hills of central Wisconsin lies an award-winning craft brewery that is making some of the finest barrel-aged beers in the country. Despite being miles from a major population center, their anniversary beer is sold out in minutes and has thousands of people standing out in the freezing January cold of Wisconsin winter to get their allocation. With their beers in the highest of demand, Central Waters is proof that following your dreams can lead to success. Co-owners Anello Malika and Paul Graham have done this while remaining true to their core philosophy of source local and being ecologically responsible. We're joined today by co-owner Anello Malika and lead brewer Simon Nielsen. Hello, gentlemen, and thanks for taking some time to join us on the Tap Takeover podcast. What up? Hello. So tell us about the brewery. So for somebody who has not made the trek out here before, what can they expect walking in for the for the first time? Well, we've been here since uh, so we started building this facility in 2006. Uh, started production here in 2007. You know, when we first built this brewery, Paul and I, it was just that first front area we didn't i suppose we did have a tap room but <clears throat> we built the bar ourselves and it was you know almost neck high we built it like way too high by accident because didn't really know what we were doing so we had a standing bar for quite a while but you know we expected at that time maybe a dozen beer nerds to show up on the weekend and fill the growler so we manned the bar with our wives we did you know we don't advertise for that tap room we never really have and then word of mouth grew and word of mouth grew and suddenly it was really really busy and we started having to hire bartenders and then we just had to hire a bar manager and then we had to expand the tap room and we've expanded the tap room quite a few times so now when you pull up the view you get when you see central waters is not how it looked when we built this place we added that on to kind of give it that welcoming look 
as you're driving down Allen Street and you see the brewery and you have our beer garden and the brick and a nice logo on the building and all that stuff, that's all just smoke and mirrors, man. That's something that exists before. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, we tried to make it a welcoming place, you know, uh, because one thing is you guys have traveled around quite a bit and seen a lot of other breweries and a lot of the tap rooms. There's not a lot of other brewery tap rooms where the tap room itself is not separated from the production facility by a wall of some kind. So when you're in the tap room, you are literally in the brewery, you know, there's just that half wall. So you get the heat, the smells, everything that comes with the brewery you get inside of our tap room. So I think that makes it kind of a unique experience. I, I think so. Some of my favorite tap rooms are the ones where you can actually smell the brewery. You know, some are a little antiseptic and, and they're very separated from the actual production process. To be actually be in there and actually see some of the work going on, I, I think it's really unique and, and pretty fun when you come up here. You know, there's a sign too when you pull up <clears throat> you go past Simon's house and then Simon's usually sitting outside he'll give out free samples to anybody that's coming up just gonna yeah. go to his house yeah. nice. I appreciate that yeah. <laughs> pro just, tip from Manila <laughs> <laughs> That's a good pro tip. For, for I'm just listeners. kidding. He does it. He does not live near the brewery. I was just kidding. <laughs> You're an asshole. <laughs> to, to, add, to add to that, though, before I worked here, this is always like my dream brewery to work at. I'm from Appleton, so I'm I lived 45 minutes from here, and so I started here four years ago. But before that, my fiance and I would drive up here probably once a month, and so I remember coming to the first anniversary party, I think, which was 14, right? 14, yeah. I remember at the end of that anniversary party when things were closing down walking up and buying a like a handful of bottles of 14 it was how many do you want and you could get however many bottles you wanted then i think that year you guys won the gold at gabf right correct and then after that it was kind of a shit show (laughs) all the anniversaries after that and i remember being in line to buy that beer the next year at 15 and i was like eight people from the table and they ran out but it's been cool because it's been an evolution to see the brewery and then you know 16 16th anniversary i was working here for that party but to see the tap room and the brewery go through this evolution like anello said we added on to the front of the tap room and it's just a whole different experience that people get when they come here now versus what they got four, five, six years ago when I was coming, you know, just as a customer. And it was a flat metal face building at the front. And and now what you see when you pull up. You know, I have to expound on that here because I don't know if you know Simon's backstory and how he got his job here. We've heard you've had quite an interesting journey to get where you are today, Simon. A lot of a lot of harassment, a lot of comeback later. Uh, can, you, can you give us your backstory? I don't know if I'd say comeback a little bit. <laughs> <It> was, <laughs> Go ahead and tell the story. Well, and I'll just be the color man as you're no, yeah. well, you are, You're right. It was a lot of harassment. And <laughs> really? <laughs> hey, hey, we've said we said when you got hired, harassment will not be tolerated here. It will be graded. <laughs> Basically, I was a home brewer. You know, most most brewers start the same way. They're home brewers, and they they started as a hobby, and they want to get into brewing. And basically, it was the same thing for me. Uh, Central Waters was five or six thousand barrels when I started emailing them saying I wanted a job. That was in 2010, I want to say, that I started emailing the brewery here. And you know, at that point, it was I had just started home brewing, and I was really hoping hoping, you know, just get my shoe in the door somewhere. They were still small enough that I thought maybe I'd have a shot in the dark at it, and apparently not. And But my point is, is I knew that they were definitely going somewhere. Already at that size, very, very, very well respected. 
you know, we had a really good following. And, you know, if you hopped on Beer Advocate, everybody was talking about this small brewery out in Amherst, Wisconsin. And so I wanted to try to get in on it uh, as soon as I could because I saw this potential there. So I started emailing them probably once every two or three months, uh, not to annoy them too much. For fuck's sake. Yeah, (laughs) right. Um, (laughs) I remember those conversations with Paul. Like that Simon dude emailed again. Like, really? What's he doing? (laughs) He works at a plastic factory or something. This industry, especially nowadays, so many people want to do it or they think that they want to do it. So, uh, you know, they basically proved it out by going, you know, get some schooling. You know, we hire, we only hire people that that have some schooling, which is total BS. (laughs) Total bullshit. You're the only one. I'm the only one that works here that has has any sort of (laughs) schooling for brewing. Total bullshit. It was just like that way to be like, dude, stop. (laughs) Oh yeah. (laughs) Yeah. I get it. But you did it. And and, yeah, so I went to Siebel. I took a couple of courses at Siebel, which is a brewing school in Chicago. And it was some some of their shorter courses. It wasn't their 12-week course or anything. I just couldn't afford that. But I did as much as I could afford, maxed out my credit cards to do it. Came back and I kept sending my most up-to-date resume to the brewery and keeping these guys up to date. After I'd done all that, you know, Paul emailed me back after I took those two courses and kind of said, that's great, but we've, we've We've all read all the books. <laughs> we've re- we literally, he said, we've 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 all read all the books. So after he told me to go to school, he came back with, "That's great, but we've all read all the books." <laughs> uh, we only hire people that have had practical experience. At some uh, point, you take a hint, right? <laughs> apparently not. Apparently not. Yeah. <laughs> and I'm starting to wish I would have. <laughs> Ten minutes into the podcast, and you're, you're just figuring this out. This thing might end with me walking out. Breaking news: Simon just left Central Waters. Breaking news: Central Waters is hiring. Damn for takeover cause, causes split, causes rift. Central Waters. Oh. The ching. Oh. There it is. But yeah, no, it. Uh, they, so they pushed me to get practical experience. Oh man, we are a bunch of assholes. Put it that way. God. But yeah, uh, Central Waters. I, is not coming across right no. well. I don't really have to look back and, and, and you know, <laughs> retrospect, man, I feel like an asshole. <laughs> so I emailed, I emailed every brewery in a two-hour radius of Appleton. And when I say every brewery, I mean, like, every brewery. Every brew pub I could think of uh, and every production brewery I could find. And I was working swing shift at the plastic factory, uh, 12-hour shift. So basically, the way it broke down is I had, like, half the year off because I'd work two days on, two days off, three days on, three days off. So I was offering all these places to work all my days off um, for free and just to get this experience. Three Sheeps in Sheboygan, which had just started up at the time, took me up on my offer. And they were a grant grant which is their owner there he was really awesome with me the brewery out in california had kind of done the same thing with him when he was starting up he kind of extended the offer to me and they were just starting up too so i'm sure he was looking for all the free help he could get but still it was cool of him to offer it to me but one thing i couldn't figure out was stone cellar which is a brew pub in appleton which is right up the street from me would not give me the time of day for either like a free internship or or like or to like or to give me a job and i couldn't figure it out and 
where I was living at the time, I could see him from my house. Anyway, so I got this, you know, this offer for an internship at Three Sheeps. I was so excited. Finally, I was going to be like, have my foot in the door at any brewery, which is like, you know, at that point, it was like my life's dream. So I went up to, I went up to Stone Cellar to get like pizza and a beer to celebrate the day this happened. One of the brewers from Stone Cellar sat down next to me. I knew him from being there quite a bit, and he used to be one of the bartenders there. And I was a regular there because it was right up the street from me. We started talking. I told him I'd just gotten back from Siebel and I just got this internship at Three Sheeps. And he goes, wait a second, you're Simon? And I I was like, yeah. And he goes, oh, I've had you confused with somebody else. Can you hold on a second? And he went and talked to the owner, came back. And he goes, you're going to get a call from us tomorrow. He goes, I've been telling him not to hire you for the last year. (laughs) Because I thought I had you confused with this other guy who annoyed the shit out of me. And I kept telling our owner, if you hire that guy, I'm quitting. (laughs) I thought maybe Anello had called ahead. (laughs) So it worked out good. Three Sheeps is going to be an hour and a half drive each way on all my days off, which was plus whatever I was going to end up working there for no pay. And I can walk to, I walked to work at Stone Cellar and I got, you know, not much, but I got, you know, paid a little bit to work hourly there while I got experience cleaning tanks and kegging beer and all that stuff. So it was perfect. It was still the same thing. Every two or three months, I'd give them a call just to let them know I was still interested and still planning on doing this. And finally, in November, November of 2013, they called, and one of their brewers, Lagunitas, was just opening up in Chicago. He was from Chicago, so he was heading back home. So they called me and offered me a job to come brew here, and that's how that happened. In truth, he's right how all that broke down. But while it was oh, going here it on, comes. <laughs> <laughs> we weren't like we had hired a brewer too, but like you know, he kept doing this. And when we hit a point where we needed a brewer, Paul and I sat and talked about that. We're like, that Simon dude literally did everything Paul asked him to do. Paul asked him to go to school, get a job, to get experience, and Simon did all did all of those things. We're like, we fucking have to hire this guy now. There's no way we can't hire him, right? But truthfully, and I don't say this just because Simon's sitting next to me or we're doing this podcast, Central Waters would not be what Central Waters is without Simon. Simon is just as integral to who we are and the identity of Central Waters as Paul or myself or anybody else here. So we're really, really fortunate that we have not just guys like Simon, but our entire crew right now is the best crew that we've had at Central Waters since we've been in existence. And Simon leads the brew house. And I mean, all these awesome beers that we're cranking out, all this new stuff, like we were talking earlier, like caught in the rain is out of the wheelhouse for Central Waters, right? Simon, HHG, Simon, you know, like all these things. Paul and I owe Simon, you know, the identity of this brewery at this point. He's done a great job. Wow. You want to make out? Uh, Finally. (laughs) Makes for good radio. (laughs) All right. uh, Now let's get into your beginnings with craft beer in general, and then how did you meet Paul? Yeah, sure. So, uh, well, I'm from Milwaukee, and uh, Paul's from Rochester, Minnesota. So we both came here for college, you know, to go to UW-Stevens Point. And we just met, you know, as freshmen in the dorms type of thing. You know, we've told the story a lot of times, but it is is absolutely the truth. 21 to buy beer, 18 to buy the ingredients. (laughs) No bullshit. And no, keep in mind, this was like 1994, right? So this is like way before the craze of craft beer. Like that wasn't even a hint on the horizon, really. Yeah, like so you weren't, were you weren't like drinking a lot of craft beer at the time. The that craft kind of inspired beer like, you, Yeah. You, craft beer at the time was... Kind of had to make And I'm not knocking a beer, but you know, like when you'd go to a kegger, like a house party, and there was Point Amber and Liney's Honey Vice, you're like, get the fuck out of here. <laughs> this is off the hook. It's $5 cups, man. Let's do this. Like, like you know, it was... <laughs> that that was a that was a that was a rocking party, right? So we just started we started making it ourselves. 
We literally started in the dorms with a half gallon jug of apple cider and some bread yeast. And we dumped it in the apple cider and let it ferment in the dorms. And then somebody, I don't remember who it was, but one of our friends told us that we would go blind if we drank it. Which <laughs> <laughs> so we didn't know any better. We believed them, right? So you have to you have to understand, this is pre-internet days, right? The internet didn't exist. And it's, it's hard for people to fathom that, what life was like before cell phones and internet. None of those things were in existence. So it's not like, yeah. <laughs> and now you say AOL and someone's like, no, you spelled LOL wrong. <laughs> so... <laughs> We didn't know any better. The only source that we had back then for learning about making beer was Charlie Papazian and the Joy of Homebrewing. That was that was the book. That was that was the Bible. That was all that existed. That and your couple older buddies around the neighborhood that made made beer. So so at any rate, we didn't drink that apple cider because we were afraid we'd go blind because we didn't know any better. <clears throat> and then we started homebrewing, uh, actually making beer. Sometimes at a friend's house off campus. Sometimes in the kitchen in the dorms. And I remember the first batch, we totally fucked it up. We were bottling it. I don't remember if the beer was good or not before bottling. But I remember the guy that we were doing it with had done it before. And he was like, yeah, now we just have to add priming sugar to the beer so it carbonates in the bottle. How much? He's like, I don't know. I think it's like a tablespoon per bottle. Oh, shit. So we were dumping (laughs) tablespoons of sugar into each 12-ounce bottle. And then filling it with the beer and capping it. There was a dorm room on our floor that was that was vacant, and we had like Jimmy the lock open on, and that's where we stored all of our cases of carbonated beer and carboys and shit like that. This ting, 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 <laughs> like yeah. they started popping. At the time, my roommate wasn't Paul. I was living with a different guy in the uh, dorms, and he had, I'll never forget this, it was the funniest thing. It was like out of a cartoon. He had just got out of the shower. He's wearing this like Big Lebowski robe, pops one of the bottles open, the cap flies off, and the beer flies out all foam covers his face and his hair and when he kind of like looks up it's just like eyelids opening up you know in the whites of his eyes and that beer was awful man just like undrinkable stuff and but we didn't care because it's like 1995 1994 whatever you didn't have a frame of reference really of bad beer and so i mean back in those days like you know pete's wicked ale which isn't even around anymore that was the really high-end beer that you'd get was a pete's wicked so that's kind of where that started for us and then it just it just progressed we just kept home brewing we kept home brewing and got to know friends that were part of the Stevens Point had started a homebrew club at that time. By the end of college, I lived in a house and in my garage we had built a pretty sweet homebrew setup that was on wooden tiers with half bros with the tops cut off and we we're doing 15 gallons at a crack and the beers were good. <clears throat> we were throwing house parties and having a band and charging cup fees and it was just our homebrews on tap. We had a fridge in the basement with tap panels coming out of it and we'd have a homebrew party and charge fees to get into the, to the basement for abandoned homebrews, you know. I bet so, that was a fun house. It was a good it was it was a good time, man. So then we graduated from college. I leave and I go to Alaska. At that point, Central Waters had started and it was started by two other guys that were part of the homebrew club in town, Jerome and Mike, and they hired Paul. So I come back from Alaska. In the meantime, Paul had bought a house. I still don't know how the fuck he bought a house. Though. Like, we were fresh out of college. Like, what the fuck? Anyways, I need a place to live, so I go live with Paul again. You know, he's best friend, room together, whatever. He's got a house. He's working at the brewery. He's like, hey, I'm pretty sure I could get you a job. Sure. You know, I'll take a year off. I have a degree, but I'm going to just, like, ignore that for a year and just have fun. So I started working at Central Water, so it was Paul and I working for the original owners, Jerome and Mike. After about, it was probably only six months, maybe eight months, it was pretty clear that I couldn't afford to pay really either of us, but for sure not two of us. <laughs> Sound familiar? So, <laughs> so Paul, Paul was hired first. I offered to go. There was a brew pub at the time in Stevens Point called Isidore Street, because now this is late 90s now. This is like 99. That's when the brew pub craze kind of peaked in the late 90s, and then everything crashed, and everybody said, crap, 
beer is done. Everybody assumed craft beer was totally done at that point because a lot of those brew pubs were making some pretty shitty beer, including the one that we had here in town. So I remember when I took the job, I told the owners of the place, I'll take this job, but all the beers are getting dumped. And then we're starting from scratch. And they agreed to that, so I took it. Little did I know that place was already spinning down the toilet. There was no real saving mat. So I don't remember, like, I'm going to say, like, my beers were good, but I don't even remember. You know, I mean, that was a long time ago. There's been a lot of brewing <laughs> since then. So I worked for them for a while. They closed. And then I went and worked at Point Brewery. And I worked for there for a while. And I hated it. But in hindsight, it was the best job I had. Because the job that I got hired for was for second shift brewer. You know, I'm like 22 or whatever. And, you know, second shift brewer. That's fucking perfect. <laughs> you know, going until 2 o'clock, you're done at 11, the bars are still open, you're single, you're like, this is this is, this is is perfect. Last second I didn't get that job, I got hired as a relief operator, which had to learn every job in the brewery. You start at 6 o'clock in the morning and be done at, you know, 3 type of thing. I was like, ah, oh, shit, not really want to do. A lot of time on the patching line, learning <laughs> filtering, learning all that stuff, and it's not what I want to do. But I'm glad I did that because I learned all those jobs at a, at a, at a large-scale brewery that has served me since then, you know. And I left there and worked for another brewery up north, and then I left there and came back. In the meantime, while I'm doing all of this, in 2001, Paul bought Central Waters from the original owners with another guy, Clint. So I came back and I worked for Paul and Clint as their brewer for a bunch of years. And then I decided to go back and use my degree for a little bit. And funnily enough, I was an alcohol and drug abuse counselor for the state of Wisconsin for a little while, so I did that. <laughs> so, uh, so, Simon, the whole Seabowl thing was bullshit. I said that earlier. I was like, dude, stop being To be fair, to a certain degree, the Siebel thing can be total bullshit. Not that it's not great for a lot of different reasons, but in and of itself, if you don't have some experience, it's it's kind of useless without some experience. I would take what Anello did way over two, six, or twelve week course at Siebel. Certainly more higher up, I yeah. would say. Oh yeah, I would take somebody that has even one year or even six months cleaning tanks yeah. over over somebody with a 12-week course at Siebel. Yeah, I would I would call our requirement there for a while to have people with a brewing education as a phase hmm. that we grew out of. Really? Yeah, because, you know, we wanted that. We want somebody to, because we didn't have that education, you know. We learned in the trenches. And we wanted somebody, people, to come in that had that experience, that education that maybe, in our minds, maybe knew more than us, that could bring something to the table that we didn't have, right? In hindsight, it's just not, not saying we didn't need that, because I think you always need more education. You always, like, even still, like, we still need to learn more. We still need to do better at what we do. But uh, ultimately, those dudes come in, and in our experience, at least, and I'm not knocking Siebel, because I think it's a wonderful thing, but... You get, like, two very distinct paradigms there. You get, I know what the fuck I'm doing, and I'm going to do it this way, and your way is wrong. Which is like, dude, we've been in business for 20 years at this point. That's not going to fly here. Or it's, Central Waters has a great rep, and this is a perfect stepping stone to my next brewery job, which sucks, you know, for us. So what we've taken to is experience, or really local. Like, if you live around here, we can teach you to make beer. And we have those guys now. We've got dudes that were, like, the first shift brewer, Brandon, was a home brewer. And he was, uh, like, a service manager at a Toyota dealership in Plover. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just yeah. a ridiculous. He lived right up the street too. You can yeah. see his house from here, and he had just had a ridiculous homebrew setup right yeah. in his garage. Yeah, and when we started hiring for brewer, he applied, and I knew him because I had a Toyota Prius at the time, and that's how I knew Brandon. And we're like, well, you know, the benefit of hiring somebody local, because mind you, we're not in Milwaukee or Madison or Chicago, twin cities where there's a plethora of people to choose from. Amherst is a town of a thousand. And the nearest big town is Stevens Point, which is about 25,000. We don't have the greatest number, like population of people to pull from. So I'd rather hire somebody local who knows that they're here, whose roots 
our plant if it's going to stay here. And we try to fashion the brewery, frankly, in such a fashion that people can stay here if they choose to, that they can make a career here, that there's good benefits, there's perks to the job that, that allow you to have a family and make a make a retirable career here. We try to make that happen. So, so that, that um, actually brings us to our next question is when you guys made the move from Junction City, why did you guys choose Amherst? Um, well, you know, there were a lot of cities that were interested at that time. When we decided that we had to move out of that building in Junction City, have you guys ever were you guys well, ever in that it building? It was falling oh, apart, right? It was quite there. dilapidated yeah. when you guys moved out. I mean, it was a standing <laughs> It was <now>. dilapidated <laughs> when they moved in. <laughs> I mean, it was bad. Really bad. I don't know how we made drinkable beer out of that place for as long as we did. Man, that place was awful. But and it was really, really tiny. And Canadian National Railroad Spur, that was defunct the whole time we were there. And then they started it up again. And you could touch the train and the building at the same time. That's how close it was to the building. And they didn't offer us any compensation. You could see the tank shaking. You know, it's like, this is just, we got to go. So the way that all worked out is like, like I said earlier, I had kind of left and done my career thing for a while. And then I came back. My And then I come back and I bought out Paul's original business partner, Clint, in January of 2006. Then Clint was just done with the business, completely gone. And part of that deal when Paul and I talked about me coming back and me, you know, buying Clint out and Paul and I are equal partners now. At this, that, you know, Jefferson City is not the place for us because it's either in this position where you go, we are maxed out here at 750 barrels of beer a year. We can't keep doing this where we're at. So we either close this place up or we do what we didn't want to do and take on some debt and, and build a new facility. So <clears throat> so we went to Junction City and told them that we will stay. There's a guy in Junction who owns some land. At the time, Highway 10 went right through Junction City. It doesn't anymore, it bypasses, but at the time it went right through. In fact, the brewery was right on Highway 10, so Central Orange has always been on Highway 10. We offered to stay. We just said we're gonna figure out, we have to figure out how to get water, power, and sewer there. And I kid you not, the village president just stone cold looked at us and said, we'd actually prefer you left. <laughs> like, oh. Okay. Well, jokes on him. Now, well, right? yeah, exactly. I mean, he's long gone, but so many other people in Junction are so pissed that that didn't come to fruition because now, now, I mean, who could have predicted back then? But look how many people we draw into a town. Mm-hmm. You know, like and Junction City now Highway 10 bypasses them, so there's not a lot going on in Junction these days. Uh, well, but it, it, you know, and now cities are courting breweries courting to come, breweries. come yeah. to their so, town. So to push one out is yeah. incredible. Marshfield was interested back then. Point was interested. Rapids, but again, it wasn't like people were vying to, to get us. You know, not like today where. You know, if we put out that, that we're going to move, there'd be cities offering crazy deals to try to get us to come in. But our banker is the International Bank of Amherst. Our lender was here, right? And at the time, Amherst, we knew a lot of people in Amherst drank Central Waters. Like, that was a community of people that were Central Waters drinkers. And so we ch- we chose Amherst. It was a small town. It wasn't point. For better or for worse, this is the town we chose. And, and really, I think what proves the ignorant wiseness of what we did, the first month we moved, here we were at the grocery store I was at the grocery store buying groceries for the brewery and I'm standing in line and at the time nobody knew who I was now generally speaking most locals know who I am and Paul is um, and I'm standing in line and these locals are in front of me talking and I could hear them they're talking about Central Waters coming to Amherst you know but it was the way they were talking about it they weren't saying hey did you hear Central Waters is coming to town they said did you hear our breweries moving to Amherst our brew like they, were, they had that possessive tone to it I'm like yeah this is it man we moved to the right place so I mean, you still got you guys get an awesome local crowd pretty much every weekend every day they're open right correct yeah yeah we sure do all right we got empty glasses so I think this is a good time to yeah. take a little break and when we come back after some beer news we'll talk about some more stuff here at Central Waters so we'll be right back Extra, extra, extra. 
Welcome to another edition of Beer News. This episode's easily accessible beer is Unite the Clans by Third Space Brewing Company. Unite the Clans is a Scottish rye ale with slightly roasty and malty flavors and aromas. The addition of Cararai malt and Fuggles, a classic hop from the British Isles, give this beer an underlying spiciness, toffee notes, and a unique bready complexity. Unite the Clans also recently won a gold medal at the 2017 Great American Beer Festival. Congrats, Third Space. This beer news is jam-packed with upcoming beer releases local to Wisconsin. We start the release news with our current episode's highlight, Black Gold. This Saturday, October 14th, Central Waters releases their latest edition of Black Gold into the world. If you didn't get tickets or register for the River Run, get on your trading shoes as this beer will only be obtainable via trade or purchased at a ridiculous markup from a third party. If you love the 19th anniversary stout, you're going to want to get your hands on Black Gold, as it's the 1980 aged in barrels for an extra year if you're going to the event if you're going to the event and see jesus make sure you give him a high five and maybe a short interview because he will be there covering the event on wednesday october 18th black husky releases sparkly eyes this imperial version of the spruce juice is sure to pack a punch and previous year's releases have had rave reviews black husky always throws a great party and prizes will be awarded for the best reenactment of the snl more cowbell skit and also for best sparkly outfit sounds like a great wednesday night to us third space brewery will be having a release on saturday october 28th they start their barrel age series with two epic releases on the same day beer number one is haunted barrel a candy bar porter this porter was brewed with coconut and then aged on rum and bourbon barrels for six months with vanilla cocoa and cinnamon there is a three bottle allotment with this one folks so there should be plenty to go around and so there might be even some of this floating around and more in the local distribution network. Beer number two is a very limited variant called Haunted Hazelnut. This version of Haunted Barrel was aged only in rum barrels with vanilla, cocoa, and hazelnut added. Only one bottle per person, so make sure you get to third space early for that one. Also on the 28th, Eagle Park's second beer in their special release bottle series drops. Their triple dry hopped Immortal Soul with Nelson Sauvignon hops releases at Eagle Park and Bayview upon open. Check their social media for bottle count new because club members get first dibs the day before the release. Start planning now for Lakefront's annual Black Friday release on November 24th at 8 a.m. We suggest getting there super early this year as a one-bottle limit, very special edition will be available to the first thousand people. This XXX Black Friday release is a blend of the previous three years of Black Friday. Not only can you get this, but three bottles of the regular Black Friday, which was aged in rye whiskey barrels this year for the first time ever. This event is always a blast and a must attend for the whole ttp crew every year so we'll see you in line super early and maybe we'll share a beer and this has been an upcoming beer release special edition of beer news And thank you again for another on-point and informative beer news, Andy. All right, so as we sit here, we're staring at a bottle of black gold, and that brings up a question kind of that we touched on earlier. What are your thoughts on the aftermarket? Oh, oh there you there go. There it goes. <laughs> there it. <laughs> what are your thoughts on the aftermarket of your beer? I mean, it's obviously very highly sought after, and a lot of people are buying this for, you know, a lot of money. Here's the thing. Like, I don't know of a brewer that appreciates the idea that their beer gets sold for those dollar amounts after it leaves the brewery number one it's illegal and we try not to do anything illegal okay so it is what it is man i mean there's no control over it you know and that's the part that sucks top on glass 
went through that shit when they had some dude refilling their bottles with something else and selling them and trading them for other things like you know but whatever it is what it is there's no stopping it personally i don't think brewery owners have any place to weigh in on it it's out of our control it's beyond it's after our control of that product has stopped so what happens beyond that i might have my preferences but i wish it wouldn't happen i'll say that there's a reason like we talked about when i pulled this bottle out i don't even know how old this black gold is you know we have multiple vintages here and i don't know how old it is because we don't put the year on it and a lot of people tell us like we should put the year on the black gold so we knew what vintage is in our cellar <laughs> but here's the here's the deal man it's beer right and we've aged that beer for three years before it hit a bottle so if i put a year on it that will entice you to go like "Ooh, i'm gonna age this one out for five years or whatever it's already three years old when it's in the bottle who else do you guys know is doing three-year-old barrel aged beers there's not a lot of that shit going on, right? I don't want to put a year in it because I don't want you to, like, like if you want to do it, you write the year on it. You know, like, <laughs> drink it, man. Like, drink it. That's the idea. We're making beers, all of our barrel-aged beers, we brew not so that you have to buy it and age it. We oh, brew it so that it's where we want it to be when we put it to a bottle and you can buy it. So drink it now. Actually, that's a fantastic lead-in. We've asked pretty much every brewer that we've interviewed what your thoughts are on the, the home aging process. Matt and Kelly from Half Acre came out very hard against it. And that was the first time that somebody had said, we prefer that you just drink it now because we've aged it to the point that we think it's perfect and now is the time to do it. But we know that there's a lot of folks out there who age stuff for four five years like you know past the point where it might even be good do you guys yeah. so you guys definitely don't encourage that or do you have any thoughts oh, I on don't the experimentation it. of, I of first, it i for yeah. sure encourage ex- the experimentation like if you want to age it out go for it but that's not your own risk but just what in the background what invariably happens if i put on a bottle of black gold ages you know age through 2021 or whatever right i put some shit on it i don't know how you're aging it you know you might put that on top of your fridge in the sunshine at 90 degrees and when you drink it in 2021 somebody's <laughs> gonna email the brewery and be like hey open your beer and it was bad i want a refund <laughs> <laughs> it's like, dude. Yeah, like five years <laughs> you know, like, I don't have. It's already three. It's like here we are. Like I'm. I'm actually confident. I think this is last year's. But uh, I mean, it's, it tastes like butterscotch. You know, it's like butterscotch. It's it's delicious, right? What I comfortably tell people is, all of these barrel aged beers we make every year. So drink it within a year. And I'm comfortable saying that. Drink it within a year. Yeah, we've recently you know, had the 19. Because we're making it again. The 19 is a blended. It's been blended since 17. For me, that tasted ready to go right out. That's the goal. It, it tasted aged. Yep. Like, it had been sitting in my cellar for a number so, of years. let me put it this way. From, like, you know, we're beer lovers. And we're just, like, you know, yes, we own Central Waters, Paul and I, but we're just dudes that like beer at the end of the day. We're family men. We're people, right? If I bought a bottle of beer... And the brewery sold it to me for a high dollar that I bought it from, and the intent was, now you age it. I'd be like, fuck you, dude. You age it. (laughs) (laughs) I've I've already paid you for something to drink. And so that's the take we have on it. It's like, the beer should be drinking capable the day that you buy it. What's the point of like, it's like, you know, it costs money to age a beer out, right? So it's like, if I'm going to charge you the same amount of money, hey, here's an here's a beer that needs a ton of aging, same price in two years will be worth the price I charge you for it. They're like, fuck you, man. And what other industry is that acceptable? Yeah, I mean, there's quite the scam that the wine industry has been going for quite a number of years. A lot of folks maybe don't realize that in addition to the manufacturer of the barrels that you have stamped on the side, you should also have a big dollar sign. Because this is a lot of money that you've 
laid out oh, yeah. uh, in capital that's just sitting here. This is the most expensive room in the facility right here that we're sitting in. And and you're doing that so that people... So beer's ready to drink at where we want it the day you buy it. Does it age well? Of course it does. Uh, can you age it? Of course you can. Am I going to guarantee you anything? Absolutely not. So with the black gold we're, we're drinking right now, it's got a nice butterscotch quality to it. Yeah. What qualities should they be looking for besides that? People who have, have this sitting in their basement, people are going to pick it up this weekend. Here's the deal with black gold. Black gold is always the prior year's anniversary beer aged one more year. We change the anniversary beer every year. We do that on purpose. It's a different blend every year. It changes every year. So black gold changes every year. So different every year. This year would be... We'll uh, be 19 age, correct. We'll okay. be 19 age next year. Which was already okay. aged three... Well, 21 months. Is, so the anniversary beer is months. two years, roughly. And black gold is three. So every year is different. So it's, that's a hard question to answer because we literally, and I'm not even kidding you, black gold is still here. We haven't blended it and packaged it yet. So we haven't tried black gold of this year yet. So not that too much what's the, 20, uh, the 20th anniversary going to be? Can, can we get into that? It's going to be a North style. <laughs> they're, going to going, they're going full sour this year. Full sour. I'm confused by the question. What have we been talking about for 15 fucking minutes? But it's a different beer okay. every year. <laughs> Jim just got here. No, I'm just kidding. So everybody, <laughs> everybody expects 20 to be a big because it's 20 years, right? Yep. Like that's like the big blowout. Is it going to be awesome? Yeah, it's going to be awesome for sure. But that's not the big year, man. Not for a brewery. 20 is not the big year. 21 is a big year. That's when you're legally... The brewery's old enough to drink. (laughs) That's the big year, man. That's the year you blow that shit out. And you have, like, variants of different... I shouldn't even talk. You just, you just do awesome shit. Yeah, yeah. You do oh, awesome shit. Breaking awesome news. Just, just tease this a little bit there, though. That'll be awesome <laughs> shit. <laughs> 21 will be awesome. One thing that we always like to ask our brewers on the Tap Takeover podcast is uh, if you were to take over the taps at the Tap Takeover podcast and use the beers that you choose to uh, to tell your story, the story of your brewery, which beers that you guys produce or have produced would you guys use to kind of tell that story? The identity of Central Waters, I think everybody agrees, is barrel aging. That's how Central Waters is kind of, we've put our name on the map as the Barrel Agent Program. And Mud Puppy Porter, best-selling porter in Wisconsin. Like, that's still our number one beer, which is crazy. We still sell more porter than anything else. So when Simon comes on board, he gets his feet under him a little bit, goes through a couple cycles of other brewers coming and going or whatever, and starts taking more of a leadership role here. I remember having a conversation with him and Simon telling me how much it pisses him off that people don't consider Central Waters a good brewery for happy beers. Because we were making some beers that we thought were respectable hoppy beers at the time, but it, we just got overlooked in our portfolio, right? Because we're the Barrel Legend Brewery, the Mud Puppy Brewery, and Satin Solitude Brewery, or whatever. So, like, hops wasn't part of, I think, people's people's perception of who Central Waters was. But internally, it was. I thought of it that way, you know? And I remember Simon saying that, and, and that's kind of when we were like, this dude is going to be the one to help us get that. And so, if you were to ask me that question five years ago, that lineup would be barrel-aged beers, and it would be mud puppy, and it would be stouts, and maybe a seasonal. But today, because of Simon, uh, it's HHG is a part of that identity. Rift is now a part of that identity. And that wouldn't have been the case before Simon. Yeah, for me, I mean, for me, it's for me, it's a personal thing. I think for me, it'd be bourbon barrel stout. Yeah. For me, bourbon for sure, barrel style. That's, our, yeah, yeah. Have to, that's yeah. our first one. That's our flagship. We still sell more of that than any other barrel aged beer. 
Yeah, for me, it's bourbon barrel stout. I think porter. Porter, to me, is the Junction City beer. Was that a Jerome and Mike beer? Yeah, the first three beers. Mud Puppy Porter, Wisconsin Red, and Happy Heron Pale Ale. They were still making Those all made the uh, the jump from the uh, the Junction City to They did, but then we stopped making Happy Heron. Okay. Uh, so we haven't made that for quite a few years. But we still make the Red, and we've got obviously the Porter. Yeah, I feel like Porter, Bourbon Stout, and Bourbon Stout started in Junction City too, right? It did, yeah. And I then I'd say HHG. Yeah. I yeah, feel, let's talk about ahead. the HHG. Where did the, the collaboration with the Wisconsin-centric band kind of come from? Were you guys friends with them, or did they yeah, approach yeah. you about we making a beer? We still are friends with them, yeah. Okay. They uh, played a couple shows out here, actually. And uh, this is, you know, I mean, they've gotten a lot more popular and a lot bigger since they started playing out here way back in the day. But the first the first show, and we're sitting right now in the barrel house of Central Waters, for those of you listening. And we're surrounded by a shitload of barrels at the moment. But <laughs> yes. when they played here, there weren't a lot of barrels in there. It was a pretty wide open space it was shortly after we built it i want to say when horseshoes played here and we a thousand people came in here to oh, watch wow. a play you know at that show we had talked about making a beer with them now this just kind of like with them formed because they were they were an up-and-coming band and we're like hey you know our product goes out wider than your music does we can throw your name on something do this thing and that'll help get it out there and just kind of struck this deal with them now i think we've kind of hit a point where they've you know their popularity has soared and i think ours has too so that, that's still an interesting relationship and that was shortly after the conversations with simon about him being upset that we're not known for happy beers and, and us saying because i've been talking about redoing our ipa for years but we have been making a session india pale ale that started uh, it was called Porcon, and uh it just you know we had jumped it was one of my looking back it was one of my mistakes that i've learned from is not to jump on bandwagons when it comes to beer styles and the session ipa craze was one of those that we jumped on and we made a session ipa that i thought was good that beer was solid but nobody gave a shit because it didn't say founders on it right so uh, <laughs> this is the truth man um so anyways i'll let simon take it from there because that's when that's when we started making the pale ale that's when we first made hhc yeah well that's when mosaic and citra were like super hard to get for hops for brewers and literally we got like one 44 pound box of each like because if you weren't if you weren't a huge brewery that were like high on a list for a hop union or a hop steiner these hop companies it was hard to get your a lot a good allotment of these hops and so we got like one box of each of these and we had a we only had a 30 barrel brew house at the time so it was like what do we want to do with these hops and we needed a one-off beer because we were going to do a collaboration beer with horseshoes that band that was you know i feel like i've had a handful of opportunities where i kind of took the bull by the horns and you know i remember texting anello i got a badass pale ale recipe to use these hops for it and that i just wrote over the weekend and uh if i wouldn't have done that we probably would have came up with something all together or whatever but i wanted a shot at this for myself and so i wrote this recipe for a pale ale he's like all right let's do it and I don't even think he looked at it or our old lead brewer at the time signed off on it and anyways we brewed that and it turned out really well we were able to get enough hops to do it about six months later to make it a year-round beer because we all just loved it so that became a year-round for us and that Still love it. Yeah, yeah and that's like our number two seller just behind mud puppy i think right yeah correct so, yeah, yeah. What, per, what percentage of the portfolio is is mud puppy and hhg oh boy um of the entire portfolio i have to look at the numbers for that i can tell you barrel aging is about 30 percent of our volume i would say our top 
three beer, it's top three-ish beer, so let's say Mud Puppy, HHG, and Honey Blonde are probably accounting for definitely over half of that volume. So, I mean, you know, here's the interesting thing about Central Waters portfolio. This is what makes it, this is what makes us unique. And I've had this conversation with all of my wholesalers because they, they also uh, are a little bit baffled by it. Generally speaking, a brewery that has some popularity has a beer. That's like when that guy, like that brewery owner goes into the wholesale and you say, if you can get me one tap line and one placement, it's this one. We've never really had that. All of our beers sell pretty well. If there's a super dog, it just gets cut, you know? So for the most part, like when you're talking, when Simon's like, yeah, Mud Puppy's number one, HG's number two, that split between Mud Puppy and HG is not wide. It's pretty damn close. Everything just kind of like our whole portfolio just kind of sells pretty well. You have the better ones, the Mud Puppies, HHGs, the Honey Blondes, like those sell better. And Riff now is like up there. So now we have these four kind of like mainstays. They all sell well. Yeah, so with 30% the barrel aging too is you're very diverse aging. across the board. We're super diverse across the board. And that's and that's what I pitch to everybody is the thing that sets us apart isn't the barrel aging. It's the fact that no matter your beer palette, we make a beer for you. Now you're continuing down the hoppy beer path though, right? You released Caught in the Rain recently. That's a very hot forward beer for you guys. I was really surprised at how technically hoppy it was. Uh, are you going to continue to do those special releases that are going to get as hoppy as that? Kind of the hazy New England style. Uh, oh, don't call it New no, England style. No. <laughs> don't call it. Get out of here. Part of the reason. Over. No, here's the thing. Like I said earlier, we've been down that path of chasing chasing trends. We just don't do it anymore, man. And so, like, yes, are you going to keep seeing stuff like that? Yeah, man. Simon's, like, we have more ideas in this program than we have time in the year to release the beers. And that's no bullshit. A lot of it's coming out of the barrel house, yes, but... We, th- there are more ideas for beers to get released here that we don't... Central Waters production calendar is full. So anytime there's a new beer, something's got to come off of that calendar because mm-hmm. we can't squeeze any more in, you know? So, yes, you're going to continue to see that, that growth. You know, Caught in the Rain, I wouldn't call it... Uh, the haziness comes from the fruit, you know? So I would call that more of a pineapple beer than a hoppy beer That's myself. a the pectins in the fruit or what caused sure. it. Yeah, that wasn't... Yeah. That wasn't... That wasn't a New yeah. England-style IPA. We're not going to make a New England-style IPA. I've right. had a lot of people ask for it. Breaking news. I will never say never about anything, but I don't see us doing that. I mean, do you? Would you want to make nope. one? No, I have no. I think no. Yeah, see, I so no. Like, I think it masks the whole, the whole hot I, thing. I have very I like, opinion. I get on that the thing. flavor of them. Like I've had some really good ones. I'm like, yeah, that's like drinking a glass of fruit juice, you know, and milk and milk. Exactly. <laughs> yeah. dude. It's just kind of like man, lactose, you know. And yeah. then and then I've seen brewers do it different ways, and you have they're, they're adding like flour to the fucking beer and then I've seen it on the shelf with like you know just like <laughs> dough at the bottom of the bottle it's like, like it's like looking doing, through man? a it's like yeah. looking through a, a painting through a glass a fogged glass window yeah I'm just you know I, we've been doing this for 20 years and I think we've seen I've had the the difference is I've had the experience and the opportunity to see things come and go and the way trends go in waves and it's really really easy to get caught up in a trend and lose your way and it's a mistake every brewery doesn't always have to be on every trend that's a mistake as well that's something that I've learned over the years so you have to know who your identity is as a brewery who are you what are you good at what do you like like you meaning me and Simon and everybody else that works here that's way more important than what people are telling you is going to sell is what do we like to do because we have the opportunity that we've been in business for two decades so this the sort of bubble that we're in right now for craft beer is going to go like that's going to pop things will shake out we're going to be here still 
And the tried and true thing for long term is sticking to your guns of who you are. And those styles that we're really good at that make Central Waters who Central Waters is are the ones that are going to always be here in 20 years again. A new trend comes out and it's like, awesome, that's not who we are. Now you say that, but at the same time, you have to be cognizant of the fact that we are 20 years old and it's really easy to become old and in the way. We've done a pretty good job, I think, of not becoming old and in the way, of, of becoming, you know, uh, trendsetters, staying exciting to the consumers, you know, uh, like cutting Glacial Trail and making rifts, coming up with, you know, in January there's a new barrel-aged beer coming out that everyone's going to lose their shit over and there's not a lot of it. There's other ones coming out they are going to be retro ones that people are going to be like, get the fuck out of here, you're making this again. So, you know, you have, you have to do those things to stay engaging because what customers engage with is the new brewery, right? If you're a new brewery, everyone's super excited for you. Yeah. Everybody's excited, right? Good for them, but that makes it really hard for us who's been around for a long time. And so that's where you can easily start like, oh, geez, I better make a fucking New England IPA because <laughs> that new dude in Milwaukee is making a New England IPA, and if I don't do it, he's taking all my HHG tap lines. That's fine. We're not in this to make money now. The way that Paul and I run this business and always have is I expect Central Waters to outlive me. That's the mindset we have. The brewery outlives us. We've made those mistakes in the past of chasing that trend, so don't chase the trend because that's a short-term thing. What's our long-term sustainability method? And that's not doing that. Speaking of some of those beers that you guys have kind of specialized in and you guys are known for, and as a way to kind of close out this Tap Takeover uh, for the Tap Takeover podcast. We're done already? In order to, no, just the first part. <laughs> Wait, how many parts are there? Oh, I did not agree to that. You didn't say there was seven. seven. It's a seven-part interview. <laughs> But no, uh, in order to get the beer nerds out of bed in the morning, uh, y- you have to throw a couple of special releases on tap. So which which of your special releases would, let's say one, one apiece, uh, would you guys choose to kind of, t- again, tell that story of Central Waters? Which special release beers are you guys most proud of? Well, okay. Which one are we most proud of, or which one would we use to get people off their ass to come to it? Both. How, both. how about both? Because to me, those are. It's two a good distinction. Yeah, this yeah. is an It's question, a good distinction. No, no. I think he said each of us. You go first. <laughs> Special release beers to get people off. That's it. I think what's the question. That's, that that's the goal. And this is my frustration. Way more than the hoppy thing and all that stuff, like not being known for hoppy beers. My biggest frustration, like working at this brewery, is the people wanting only barrel-aged beers from us, period. And our barrel-aged beers are too thin. <laughs> that festivus. one kills me. It's so. festivus time. I got a lot of problems with you people. <laughs> now you're going to hear about them. <laughs> the airing of grievances. Now. This is now the airing of grievances <laughs> podcast. <laughs> the one of them turned out is Mike. We're moving on to the feats of strength yeah. shortly. No, that one, that yeah, one is like, that, that one is that. like 12 and a half, 13% is we're not big enough for you yet. Like, what do you want? Do you want instant diabetes? And, <laughs> And, and like an instant hangover. Like, what are you doing this for? I, like, I wouldn't say no. Right. <laughs> like, like our maple stout, that thing is thick, and that thing is like, yeah, that thing has thighs on it. Like, that is diabetes in a glass. Yeah. But yeah. and I love that beer. Yeah, it's yeah. good. But I don't want more than six ounces, six ounces to eight ounces of it, and I don't, you know, and that's sipping over an hour or so. You know what I mean? You know, that's a bomber that you share with three or four people. And yeah, like so, like so. But the, my point is, is those are the beers that like so, like Maple Stout stuff like that is what people lose their mind over. You know, we have a big beer festival coming up 
next weekend, not even the one, not even the river run at the brewery, a, a different one in, in Wisconsin Dells. And people are emailing saying, you know, are you going to have maple stout? Are you going to have this and this and this? You know, so maple stout, black gold, any of the anniversary beers, those are the ones that people fight over usually. So that's the stuff that, you know, gets people out of bed. For me, it's, you know, I'm excited over some of this, this stuff we got going in wine barrels. Like, that's the stuff I'm excited over. Yeah, I'd say uh, most proud is Burn Barrel Stout. I mean, it's the, it was the trendsetter for yep. us. Yeah, you can't tell the story of Central Waters without talking about the Burn Barrel That is my no. hands-down I mean, favorite. That was I love that beer still. 2001, we filled the first Burn Barrels with Stout. Uh, and how, how many barrels did you fill that first Four. run? Pretty fucking far ahead of the curve, if I don't say yeah. so myself, on barrel aging. I mean, back then in 2001, like, Goose was doing it and Founders was doing it, but we didn't know about them. Mm-hmm. You know, I think we had maybe heard, we might have heard that there was a Goose Island brewery making barrel aged beers, but it really got sparked by another another brewer in the state who will go unnamed because what he was doing was illegal. And we had his <clears throat> we had his stout that he had filled his his tank with oak chips and bottles of Jack. Oh jeez! <laughs> and we were drinking it, going like, "Okay, I see how this could be good." <laughs> you know, the idea um, is sound. Yeah, the idea is sound. Yeah, <laughs> we uh, we knew a guy that knew a guy that knew Harlan Wheatley from Buffalo Trace, and we got in touch with him, and uh, he thought we were batshit crazy, and sold us barrels for twenty five bucks a piece directly out of Buffalo Trace, and we filled four. So you have to understand something about, about Central Waters, especially when it comes to the Belgian program, to appreciate the level we're at now. We don't have multi-millionaire investors behind us, private equity behind us, and Paul and I are not rich people. So <laughs> the the growth of Central Waters has been funded by Central Waters for 20 years. So we literally, you start with four oaks, and the next year you have six, and then you have 10, and then you have 20, and then you have 50, and now we have... 4,000. 4,000. <laughs> We're sitting amongst 4,000 now, right? So, And that's just, you take the profits from it and you buy more the next year. So that's the way we've kind of grown it. So Burn Barrel Stout started that. I'm the most proud of that because I think it is a really technically well done barrel aged stout. It gives you great flavor profile of the barrel and the beer. And that's the thing that people miss when it comes to barrel aging. It's not as easy as throwing a beer into a barrel and, and then taking it out and it's calling it barrel aged. There's a period of time where it's not enough barrel aged and then quickly it becomes too much barrel aged. So you have to hit it right. And I think Burn Barrel Stout represents a barrel aging category extremely well. If I had to bring one beer in that would get beer nerds out of bed, Exodus. Okay. Yeah. yeah. All right, talk That's to us answer. about that one. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I That'd be you. Exodus. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. I'd say Proving Morning, but that's already coming back. Oh, mic drop. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> So that was a great first part of the interview with the guys at Central Waters. And welcome back. We're doing the second tasting of the 18 and the 19. Personally, I thought the 18 was probably a disappointment of the anniversary beers, although very good. Yeah, I, I guess I tend to agree. I, You know, for me, I, there's a special place in my heart for the 19. I, I was able to get out there for the uh, the week after their anniversary. It was an, an, a really fun experience just getting to buy some uh, leftover bottles that uh, folks didn't pick up, you know, 
not everybody buys their allotment at the anniversary party, and there's sometimes some extra. So they had quite a few to go through. So this one has a special place in my heart just because I, <laughs> I've had a few of them, <laughs> and they're really, really good. I do think that there are some hints of the 16. We talked about that a little bit earlier, how the uh, the initial stout that was used in the 16, it was just the one stout, whereas everything after that has gotten blended a bit. But the 19 has got a bigger portion of the original stout of that fat Elvis in it. Um, I'm really enjoying this one. <laughs> yeah, for me, the 19 comes a little pre-aged. Like, it, it, it comes ready for you to consume now because they've already let it lay down for all these years. You didn't have to go back to four years ago for the 16 and have bought that to lay it down. So do you, do you think this one's going to take on any flavor profiles if you age this one? Or do you think this one's like, uh, you know, like Matt and Kelly from Half Acre, say, just ready to go right now? Yeah, for me, I think this is ready to drink now because all the aging's already been done for you. Well, that would be, the I guess, the experiment part of it with uh, the 19. But if this was a race, I would say 1A, 1B is 16 and 19 because I really think very highly of this smooth had everything that the 16 had i guess my thought on the beer is 19 is just amazing and if it was a kind of ranking them it would be 1a 1b with 16 i think that both have very equal qualities it's so smooth right now definitely do not age 19 i would just drink it now uh, 18 i mean compared to the other ones it's it just doesn't live up to the other ones it should be set down a little bit longer maybe a couple years honestly it comes out pretty hot very aggressive well you know and that's the thing the 18 doesn't have the advantage that the 16 17 have which is a couple more years you know the 18 was just last year so it may still be a little hot i also tend to disagree with you on the 19 i think there's definite aging possibilities Mm. on the 19 i think it's great right now but i also think that a couple years down the line this could be even better it could leap into that that black fruit kind of territory yeah but it's like when you want to age something like this i don't know what else you want to find yeah what else (laughs) is going to mature into Uh, i'm looking for something in the background that's going to come forward or something in the front end that's going to mellow back for me on the 19 it's kind of all there right now where on the 18 it's raw yeah i mean this is a raw beer still i guess the basically to our whole thoughts of aging in general we always think of aging a beer just to give it take that edge off you know make it smoother make it that just really bring out that nose i think that 19 has it right now i kind of agree with alex i think you could lay down the 19 for a little bit you're gonna get those different notes out of it because it's already pre-aged beer in the in the mix right you're gonna get the beer they brewed specifically to mix with it recently and those notes are gonna come out while the other notes start to fade away yeah thanks andy and and i'll also say this about the 19 there's a lot of flavors in there the the coffee the vanilla the chocolate that are really strong right now and i would like to see those almost like you said with the 16 gym kind of fall away into their own distinct categories where it, it tastes a little more deep constructed i i could definitely see that happening over the next you know three four years yeah there, there's some places for this beer to go there is still that touch of hotness a little boozy that could fade away and allow other uh, more subtle flavors to come up um so it'll be really interesting in a year or two to see where the beer yeah, goes we got a few more we can come back and revisit this no but i i don't think you lose either way it's like it's great now guys for 
half acre, say, it's an experiment, you know? Yeah, just kind of lay it down and see what happens, but I like it now. The whole tasting's just been a win-win. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yes. Absolutely. I don't think there's any losers here. <laughs> well, and the interview's been a win-win as well. Yeah. I mean, yeah. to, to hear these brewers talk about their amazing beers and talk about the aging process, and it, it's just been so much fun to talk to these guys. So join us next week for part two of our three-part Central Waters interview series when we hear more about the Exodus, more about some special beer releases, and more about the barrel aging process. And I think on that note, uh, it, it looks like we're probably out of beer. For me, for Alex, for Jesus, for Andy, I'm Jim. And thank you again for the Gleasons for our theme music, and this has been a solid non-fail production. Cheers. 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 He said there's no more.